day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 207. Kombucha? You betcha! I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Anna as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And one thing I do at the beginning of every episode is I jump right in and I forget to always ask, is that how I pronounce your name? <laughs> so that is, is how you pronounce Anna? my okay. name, yeah. It's not Anna, Anna. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. People butcher my name and uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But uh, I'm not people. People may have their preferences. Either way, I'm getting carried away by names. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Anna's hobby of kombucha brewing. But before we... Can you dive into kombucha? Would that would, it, would that be beneficial? Like, would that be like a good health benefit? It burns. What about if it's cool? Like, just cool down. Would that be good for the skin? I don't know. That could be a question for later on. Uh, before we dive into it, who is Anna? Yeah, so I'm a PhD candidate in neuroscience, and I study gut microbial psychiatry, which just basically how our gut microbes affect our mental health. I'm interested in things like diet and stress, social support, childhood trauma. And then outside of my degree, I'm, I'm a dancer, I'm a writer, I'm a yogi, and I am a collection of microbes running a human. Is that like your title? Like if you had Twitter and stuff like that, I'm a collection of microbes running a human. That's, that's poetic. <laughs> I really should change it. You're right. <laughs> that, that is awesome. How long did it take you to come up with that? I say it almost every time I do public speaking, because I just want people to know that the things that are coming out of my mouth, I'm not like fully liable for. There's the like microbes. billions. <laughs> exactly. But today we're going to be talking about Anna's hobby of kombucha brewing. But of course, Anna is more than just kombucha brewing. So do you have any social media links, websites or projects you're working on that you would love to share with everybody? Yeah, so I'm mostly active on my Instagram, which is public. So it's love of Anna, love of and then ANA. And then I have my Twitter, which is ADS underscore bunny. And that's actually where I have pinned at the top of my profile, my kombucha protocol. So that's of interest to people. If they're interested in what I'm talking about today, they can go and read the whole thing. Uh, it's got tips and tricks and all sorts of stuff like that. I think it's like 12 pages. <laughs> well, I highly recommend people to pause, pause this episode right now and go check that out first and then come back. So then you get to fully appreciate Anna and Anna's wisdom. <laughs> so now diving into the wisdom as you just brewed up your own batch of knowledge with Anna's article she wrote, her tips and tricks. We're going to dive into Anna's brain. I know this is maybe a thing you like to do for other people, but we're doing it for you today. I'm in the hot seat or you're in the hot seat and I'm questioning you. So how <laughs> did you get introduced to making kombucha? Yeah. So in 2013, I was working at a provincial park, Sandbanks, shout out. And uh, this woman ran this little uh, like convenience store right beside and she brewed her own kombucha. And I was drinking it regularly and it was so good. But then I left to go to university and I was in Ottawa and I'm like, try and find kombucha. And it was so expensive. I couldn't believe it. Um, and then my friend knew that I really liked it. So I tutored her. And as a gift, she actually gave me my first starter culture. Uh, so I started with one gallon and now I'm at three and a half. That is awesome. And uh, what kind of flavors do you actually prefer to make? I make everything because I, 
I get like nine lit. I get like nine liters out of a batch. So I have a lot of uh, bottles to play with. My favorite is probably mango ginger, um, which I call let that mango gingerly. I love the puns. Uh, but I also make a triple lemon that is, so, it's like the best lemonade you've ever had. Lemon, lemongrass, and lemon thyme. And oh, the zest is yet to come. That's the pun for that one. Oh, I'm loving the puns. <laughs> I have to ask you now. <laughs> what is your favorite pun you've used for one of your creations? Oh my goodness. <sighs> favorite pun. A good one. Um, I thought I was really clever with... Uh, Sweet carrot lime. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have like other ones that are kind of lame, like beat the winter blueberry or uh, don't be such an apple. Those aren't lame at all. And tell me there's little musical notes beside it as well. So people have to sing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, you just go into the pun dry, you know? Mm hmm. So with that being said, how I know it might be hard to tell, but how many of these different brews, different variation of brews have you actually created throughout your whole journey? Oh, you know, because there's so many different combinations, like definitely over 30 because, you know, you could leave it plain, you could add in a fruit, you could add in an herb or juice and then just do any combination between them. So you really get a, a bunch of different variety, which is really fun. Now, you sound kind of like me where we have random thoughts like, oh, what if we mix this and this? So where do you <laughs> tend to pull your inspiration? Like, do you see like a banana? Like, you know what? Banana? Walnut? Yeah. And I don't know. Not I was going to say ketchup, but no, 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 no. Don't put ketchup. <laughs> I mean, in other words, where do you pull your inspiration to like do new combinations? I love going to like a produce department, especially in some of the um, like smaller, like international grocery stores where you can like find like cool different fruits or different herbs and then just like toss them in. Or um, I have a garden, so I grow a lot of herbs and I'll just be like, you know, I wonder what it's going to taste like to throw some lavender in there, rosemary, that kind of thing. And is there one thing you haven't tried yet, but is the next thing on your list? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like anything, because I'm just constantly brewing, anything that pops up into my head, I just go and I get it. And I'm like, yep, there we go. Like, we're, we're going to get it done. But I'm sure as I uh, broaden my field, I'll run into new things. And this might be a little negative, but not too much. But has there been one like, oh my goodness, this would be so great to make. But then you ended up making, you're like... No, this did not turn out the way I expected. I feel like instead of it being more of like a flavor, it's almost if I leave a brew for like too long and it gets like too overly fermented, it'll be like really, really strong. Um, and sometimes that's a little like, ooh, punch to the face. But uh, it's easy. You just cut it with some soda water and then like you're you're good to go. I can't say I actually haven't tried banana. Um, there's something about banana where I'm like, mm, I think maybe with the acid, it like wouldn't go well. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I may be staying away from things that I, I don't think that I would like. And you're talking about the whole brew process of like just leaving it too long. It might just punch you in the face and knock you out. If you can reveal, unless it's a family secret, I know you share a lot of information about this, but what is your brewing process from start to finish? You can do like a Sparks Note version. <laughs> So you start with some kombucha that you already have. Uh, we call it like the mother. 
and um, you use like a little bit of it and then you add a bunch of sweet tea. So you boil water on the stove, you add your tea bags, you let it soak, you stir in your sugar, you toss that into the little bit of kombucha you have left. And then you just like leave it for a couple of weeks and it ferments. It does its thing all by itself. It's very self-sufficient. It's great. Unlike a pet, you don't have to take care of it all the time. And then once it's ready, that's what we call the first ferment. And then you do a second ferment. So you take it, you ladle it into bottles. That's when you add your fruit. Um, you can add like honey or like some more sugar because uh, that's going to make it like even busier because it's kind of busy in the first ferment but then the second ferment it really like pumps up the carbonation and my trade secret and I have never heard of anybody else ever doing this so I'm tooting my own horn here <laughs> is I I use this stuff called prebiotic fiber or inulin and so people have heard of probiotics there's lots of probiotics in kombucha it's good bacteria good for your gut Rebiotics are fibers that microbes specifically eat. So we don't digest them, but like if you take them, uh, your microbes digest them. So I toss some of that into my bottle and I have never had as busy of kombucha. It just like really ramps up the fermentation. And so you leave the bottles, like you need like swing top bottles that have like the glass ones that have the, the locks on them because the carbonation, the pressure gets so intense. Leave them for a couple of days and then you toss them in the fridge and then it's good to go. It's super, super easy. Okay, so this is tying into my follow-up question about science because I feel like you have a love for science. So how did you discover this? Like, was it once again one of those like, well, I know what this does. What if I just throw it in and see what happens? Yeah, so... Like I knew that kombucha was like probiotic. I had always been really interested in like diet. But the first time I heard about the link between like gut microbes and mental health, I became obsessed. I was instantly reaching out to people like, where can I do research in this? Like, how can I come on board? All I wanted to do was learn about it. And, you know, I found that our microbes control so much of like what we even see as human consciousness, like our mental health, what we crave our sociability and, you know, and then with diet, what we eat is what they eat. So I learned how to support them, which came with a lot of like practical advice, like traditional diet advice, you know, eat fermented foods, fibers, antioxidants, reduce preservatives. And, you know, I found that the more you support your gut microbes, the more they support you, like every human is that community. Like I said, I'm just a community of microbes. It's called uh, being a hollow biont. That's like the buzz term. Um, but kombucha itself is also a community. So if you've ever seen it before, it's like the tea that just sits there and ferment. And then it has this thick fibrous mat on the top called a pellicle. And then inside the liquid, it's called a SCOBY. So a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. So I was like, I love this, like the idea of, you know, like social support, but then it's like microbe social support. And so kombucha brewing kind of like fit right into my scientific interests. And um, it's just like a bonus that I drink it all the time and I love how it tastes. And I feel really good knowing that I'm adding more microbes to the party. Okay, so with that being said, I'm not an expert in science. I love science. From your point of view, would it be better to take kombucha in the morning to help the body operate better or more of an evening drink? 
So I think it's really good at any time. I think if you're taking it first thing in the morning, it does have an acid content. So for some people, I know that that can like cause a little bit of gastrointestinal distress. So it might be better if you are sensitive that you take it after eating. Personally, I love having it like in the afternoon or in the evening, like instead of where, you know, somebody might have like a glass of wine or a beer, like I can just drink my kombucha and it kind of like tunes me into like, okay, it's evening time, you know, like let's put the work away. It's micro party time. <laughs> okay. So when it is micro party time, what else do you like to do while you're enjoying your kombucha? Really anything. Um, if I'm, if I'm watching TV, um, or just like doing chores around the house. Uh, I also love taking it on like hikes or out into nature with me. I'm one of those people that like, I keep all the glass jars and bottles that I use. Um, cause then when I brew, I can also like, I give away a lot of kombucha so I can just kind of like give things away. But, um, yeah, kombucha is great with, with anything. And you said that you, it was your friend who introduced you to it. Did you ever introduce anybody else? Or let's say by introducing to anybody else, I mean more of in teaching. Did you ever teach somebody in person how to make it? Yeah. So I have given friends and I've, I've opened up the offer on the internet multiple times if anybody wants any starter culture. So with the protocol that I made, it's very detailed. It has a lot of troubleshooting and, you know, what to expect and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I've helped friends kind of set up their first brew. Um, but I think because it's so easy to make and you can actually start your own brew from like a bottle of store-bought kombucha, as long as it is um, like plain flavored and it's not pasteurized. And it's even better if it has some of those yeasty bits, which a lot of people don't like. Um, the uh, the brew creates some, call it sediment. <laughs> and some people like to filter it out. But if you can start, um, you can just start with a bottle of that. And you can really create your own culture just from that. It's a bad analogy, I guess. But it's kind of like pulp and orange juice, right? No, like yeah, it. it's, ab it's <laughs> absolutely like pulp in orange juice. And actually, sometimes when you have the second ferment going, um, that pellicle that I talked about, that little like fibrous mat at the top, sometimes it'll start to grow inside of the bottle. And it, it kind of looks like a jellyfish. And um, I have kept it in my bottle because if I, this is really gross. The people who know what I'm talking about are going to think this is really gross. But if I drink it, I just swallow it. I'm like, yeah, throw them into the party. Um, but other people find it really disgusting. And I've had, uh, I remember giving my brother some kombucha to, to drink and I was in the middle of warning him that I knew it was in there and I saw it hit his mouth and he just instantly recoiled. Like he looked like he had been slapped across the face. He was so disgusted. Um, it's a little slimy, so I, I understand. But yeah, it's it's like a more intense pulp. <laughs> well, well, think of it like this way. It's kind of like bubble tea with tapioca pearls. There. It's just a healthier yes. version of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think it's a mind over matter thing. Some people 
are a little bit adverse to kombucha just for the fact that it's like fermented and they're like, wait, yeast microbes? Like they, they see it as like licking the hand pole on a bus or something. Yeah. Don't do that kids. That's bad. (laughs) Do kombucha, not licking hand pulls in a bus. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned that you've taught people now for the people that taught you, did they ever like turn around and teach you something? I actually went into this completely blind. When my friend gave it to me, I sort of knew, like I'd been familiar with fermenting. I had fermented, you know, like my own sauerkraut and veggies and I had a yogurt brew going for a while. And so I kind of, I just knew the basis of fermentation and I had researched about it scientifically. So when it came to me brewing, I just did trial and error. Um, When I did have some issues, I would go onto Reddit and, you know, the internet has everything. Uh, So I found Reddit to be really helpful because other people had the same questions or concerns and other people would just like chime in and give like helpful tips. but. I mean, if this is my hobby and I'm I'm very invested in it, but Mm -hmm. it's a very easy hobby. It doesn't take any (laughs) particular skill sets. You don't need to know the science behind it or, you know, have a bunch of special stuff. But it helps. Knowing the science, you get to add those extra little, aka fibers, as you may say. And this actually leads to a more futuristic question, which is where do you see the future of kombucha brewing going in terms of like new techniques and technology and things that can help it improve the way it either tastes or elements you can add to it and stuff like that? Um, So we've already seen this sort of boom of kombucha brewing. That's not these like big companies. It's like people who are really passionate about it and they start their own brewing production companies. And it's really good. Like you're able to get consistent brews. And I think that's the hardest thing when you're scaling up is getting your brews consistent each time. You can be really um, scientific about it. You can make sure that you only use, you know, distilled water. I I used to, uh, I have a kitchen lab book, as I call it. Uh, my kitchen is my uh, microbiology lab. And I would test the pH with pH strips of every brew. That's when I was trial and error because I was like, I need to get this down pat. And now I've just kind of fallen into a rhythm where I know what to expect. But yeah, the production doesn't really take much. You just, you need open glass container. Um, you cover it so nothing gets in. Fruit flies love kombucha. So you definitely want to keep them out. Um, but there's different things like different companies will... Uh, they'll add carbonation. So instead of allowing the uh, kombucha to ferment naturally, they will carbonate it kind of like a soda stream when you make your own soda water. Um, and that I, I find a lot of the brews that you get in store, um, they're not weak, but a little bit more dilute than when you uh, brew it yourself. There tends to be like more of a strength there. And I think that's just sort of to make it more palatable to most people. Um, I like my brews a little bit stronger, uh, cause I like feeling like I'm drinking almost like a wine or a beer. Like it's like a substantially fermented beverage, but a lot of people <laughs> that's a little bit too much for them. Uh, so yeah, I think that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely does. And once again, it's trial and error. You try it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I guess you can't technically go wrong, but if you could, 
and you're the expert here. What would, you, what would you say are some do's and don'ts when it comes to fermenting kombucha or doing kombucha brewing? Um, definitely the first thing that comes to mind is people using less sugar. So you start with a fairly sweet tea, but you know, people um, who brew kombucha or like kombucha, they some a lot of them tend to be like more health conscious. So people will be brewing and they're like, okay, like, oh, I'm gonna lower the sugar. I'm gonna make this as low sugar as possible. But the sugar doesn't stay a sugar. So first it gets transformed into alcohol uh, by the yeast, and then it gets transformed into acids like like vinegar type acids by the bacteria. So if you don't have the sugar in there, it's not going to be fermented. And what makes it so forgiving is the fact that it's sort of uh, self-disinfecting. So because it's acids, it's pretty resistant to, you know, mold and and that sort of stuff. So it's uh, you don't need to start with very sterile disinfected stuff because it kind of does the work for it. So if you don't put in enough sugar, um, not only will it not ferment properly, but that's when you can get mold in your brew because it is sweet and it is moist. Um, and that's kind of like the perfect environment for mold. And um, yeah, that's probably the biggest issue. Uh, something that's great about kombucha when it comes to being forgiving is you can kind of put it into like hibernation. So you can put it in the fridge, which slows down the fermentation a lot. Or you can kind of just leave some brew in the bottom. You've taken it out, you bottled it, but you, you've left some in the bottom. And it can just chill there. It'll get more acidic. But then when you start your new brew, it's fine. But if you leave it for too long, and this happened to me once, I was in a little bit of a low and I didn't get around to uh, making a new brew. And all of the liquid had evaporated. And on top, because I keep it in a cupboard, uh, so I don't see it. One day I opened up the cupboard and there was just mold all over the, the pellicle, the, the mat that sits on top. And I was like, oh, this is a problem. <laughs> so I, you know, I took it out and I cleaned it, but I didn't clean it well enough. So then oh, the next no. brew that I had, which was in the same jar, I noticed it was also growing mold because when you first add in the new sweet tea, it's not very acidic, right? And then it gets progressively more acidic as it ferments. And um, I was like, okay, no, I need to do like a heavy duty sanitization, you know, wash it really good and then stick it in the dishwasher, that sort of thing. But keeping up the mold is, is fairly easy. Uh, once you get the mold in there, you really do want to start from ground zero with the sanitation and stuff. But once it's up and running, you're pretty good to go. And you can tell sometimes the the mat itself at the top or the yeast inside will look really weird. It can take on some like really weird forms. You know, mold, it looks like food mold. So it's, it's blue or white and it's fuzzy and dry. And it, at worst, what I've done is I've taken some pictures of stuff and put it on the internet and, you know, internet weigh in. And then they're like, no, nah, that's just yeast. <laughs> drink, drink okay. it. Just drink it. <laughs> just drink it. It's fine. The curiosity within me would have like just said, hmm, what if I just put like a camera and did a time lapse? Has that something you've considered doing or have done? No, that's never something I've ever considered. I feel like because the brew takes about two weeks, <laughs> um, it would be long. And I also don't know what like how much you would actually see like 
the yeast is like very slow growing. Uh, what would be cool is that you kind of see it bubble around the edges because that mat, the pellicle I've talked about now, like four or five times, um, that sits on the top, it keeps like the oxygen out of the brew. So it gets, you know, fizzy on the inside because the oxygen can't escape the carbon dioxide. But yeah, no, I, it would be maybe interesting for me to do a time lapse of, uh, like a brew day or a bottling day. And even for one, just it's a sacrifice where you put one where you let the mold grow just to see how it grows. <laughs> it's a sacrifice. It's a horrible sacrifice, but <laughs> the curiosity within me would have just done it like, I know, but I just, I'm just so curious. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that with some bread in my fridge. <laughs> watch, watch you have like a bunch of jars around your whole house. Like there's a bunch of cameras as well. It's like all different time lapse. <laughs> of all different types of mold. <laughs> gonna have to get the uh yeah tuesday's mold is like i'm gonna have to get the health the you know the health centers in here i'm gonna start having like effects from breathing and all the mold spores <laughs> your friend comes over what's this it's for science but what no 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 it's for science but what no no don't ask questions science it's like okay cool <laughs> i do currently have mushrooms growing in my living room on but they purpose are or Yes. By accident. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, reishi mushrooms that um, a friend actually gave me, which is, it's really cool. It's been amazing to watch. I have this giant bag full of mushrooms um, that I'm going to cure and eat. It's interesting to say that because I was on TikTok quite often, but I saw this thing where people, they just collect water from, let's say a river or a swamp and then just put it in a glass jar and close it. And it creates its own little biodome and creates all new types of life. Yeah, I've actually done that. I uh, I found a glass, like old milk jar when I was um, hiking one day. And I went down by the river. And I got all these little like water plants and, and stuff in there. And it was like growing. There were all sorts of different things in it. It was really cool. Do you still have it? <laughs> it's, it's in my backyard. But what happened is it ended up getting too much sun as the summer went on and it was started to like burn the plants on the inside. So I was like trying to put it, you know, like under things and then, but I couldn't see it. And I was like, Oh no, you want to be able to watch, you know, your little ecosystem grow. I would love to start a terrarium though. That's my next hobby. And that's why I'll have you back on for that. <laughs> so, but, uh, I have a solution. You put a little webcam so you can see it. <laughs> that's too tech for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here. I'm like, I'm trying to like homestead with my ferments. Very tech free. You're all into science. And then I'm here like barely doing tech and science. You're like, oh yeah, tech I can't do. Besides, I got this. <laughs> yeah. And so for you, what would you say is the best part about brewing kombucha? I'd like, just off the top, I save so much money. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've ever bought a kombucha, but they can be like five or six dollars a bottle so i always feel like when i see it in the store and it's like very expensive i'm like uh -huh. <laughs> like i make this for pennies it makes me feel very superior um <laughs> but i guess it just kind of gives me this grounding like on one hand i'm like i'm living my science which is amazing and then on the other hand it kind of feeds into this like philosophy I have around microbes. And I'm just like, yes, like, again, like, I'm just like, I'm supporting my community. And it just like, it gives, it's like when you nurture like plants or like a pet, 
And it just like, it really gives me that feeling where I, I really feel like I'm taking care of my microbes. Like we're all in this together. And then you eat them. No, (laughs) (laughs) you're my babies and I'm just going to devour you. That's fine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's a different type of relationship. I take care of you and then you take care of me. (laughs) (laughs) I can see, I don't know how you might answer this, but you know what? It's a good question anyways. What was your biggest challenge when you first started brewing kombucha? I'll say that my my first challenge was carbonation. Um, I was using tap water and tap water, as many people I'm sure know, has things in it so that, you know, the bad microbes don't grow. Uh, Fluoride and chloramine chlorides sort of stuff. Um, And that inhibits microbial growth. So when you're brewing the kombucha, the kombucha ferments, but it's not fizzy. So that was an issue. And then I switched to, you know, like double filtering and like long boiling water. I'm, I have a friend who uses, you know, only distilled water from like the bottles that you can buy the gallons, which works really well. But I also found that using fruits that have skin on them, the residues of the pesticides that they use. Um, I mean, that's, that's my theory. Um, it, also reduces the carbonation because when I would cut the skins off of those fruits, or I would like soak them in like vinegar and like, you know, vigorously clean them, um, it changed the levels of carbonation. So that would be the biggest challenge I had at start, but a challenge that I've had at the start and that I continue to have is explosions. And (laughs) yes, I, I haven't at this point had a glass bottle explode on me. Although my friend had that happened, which is terrifying because that is a bomb. Um, you know, and the microbes become terrorists. Um, (laughs) but what if I leave, if I leave the bottles for too long on the counter in the second ferment, or it's like particularly warm, the carbonation inside is so high and you're supposed to do what's called burping where it's, you just kind of pop the top to like let the air out and then close it right back up. So sometimes I'm not expecting it. And I just go to open up a bottle and then I am being geysered in the face with a stream of kombucha that reaches the ceiling, hits all of my cupboards the windows, the floors, the counters, it's everywhere. (laughs) And it's just because like, I, sometimes it's unexpected. So I'm not always, you know, I've, I've learned now, you know, I hold a bowl over it and I open it in the sink, but in a two liter bottle, I once was left with like less than half a liter. Like it was so carbonated and it was so out of control because um, I had so much kombucha in my eyes that I didn't like stop it immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Just flaring your arms everywhere. Like, where is it? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, so the carbonation explosions are uh, an ongoing problem. I really should know better. I should open every bottle carefully and cautiously, but I like to live on the edge and clean my kitchen, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) This might not be the cheapest solution but what if you bought a bunch of pressure cookers and just threw the kombucha in there where the it's actually designed to withstand pressure and then you could just release this little valve to let the air out so you can always do that uh, release every now and then i uh, know i'm thinking way outside the box that there's not even a box i'm just 
it's not something that's doable. But yeah. Um, now, another random question I had, because you were t saying, sorry, you were talking about different types of water you used. Have you ever done an experiment where you tried, let's say, I don't know, Aquafina? I don't even know water brands anymore. Tap water, uh, Dasani? Oh my goodness. Different water brands and stuff like that. And just to see the taste comparison and see which one works best. Yeah, I've done a couple of brews like with the distilled water, although it was just like the store brand. I never bought like, I feel like Dasani and Aquafina are like, you know, it's like pricey water. Um, and they have like a, their own tastes, which is, is very interesting. You don't think about water as being flavored. Uh, but there's definitely a difference in taste between the distilled water uh, filtered water, which is what I use. And then I boil it for a really long time. And then tap water, like the tap water, it's, is like the most obvious difference. And it's, um, you're saying the lead sure water is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Making a uh, kombucha with lead water does not make it healthier. Just the PSA. <laughs> and, um, I know, I might know the answer to this because we just, just talked about it, but what would you say is the most stressful part about brewing kombucha? <laughs> yeah, the bombs. That's what um, I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like, I've been looking at my kitchen window for the past couple months because it got geysered and it went behind the screen. So I've just been thinking like the first thing on my spring cleaning list is taking off the screen so I can clean the windows. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's a little stressful. Every time I look at my window, I'm like, Oh, I, you know, I really messed up. It's really not a stressful hobby. And I think that's why it works so well with my lifestyle of, you know, being a student and, and having part-time jobs and extracurriculars and stuff like that. Something that I can continuously do and not really like drop off the wagon. Whereas like, you know, I love being at the gym and, you know, my dance classes and yoga classes. Sometimes I get so busy that I'm not able to make it. I'm always able to have kombucha. So I wouldn't really say any part of it is stressful. It's a very relaxing hobby in that way. Except when it blows up in your face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I don't know if this is, if it exists, but is there some sort of like pressure gauge, like glass jar you could buy that can like indicate the pressure inside the glass and you're like okay this is time to open it up before it explodes and then close it back up i'm just thinking of like this little pressure thing that i have for my car tires <laughs> <laughs> you like put it on and it shows you what the pressure is i think it's my own problem what you really should be doing is burping the bottles consistently uh so that the pressure doesn't super build up uh, but like I said, sometimes it's, it's like the temperature outside. Uh, so like three days, four days might be fine for some, not a problem. Uh, other ones by the second day, it's like, you gotta be, you know, you pop it, it all of a sudden starts to fizz up super quickly and you just shut it down again. It also depends on the fruit. So pineapple is exceptionally fermentable. So I'm, I've just kind of learned to be a little bit more careful with um, certain flavors over others. Um, mango also tends to be really fizzy. But like I said, anything that has sort of a skin on it, blueberries, strawberries, that kind of stuff, it doesn't tend to be as much of an issue. 
Duly noted. Skin, not bad. No skin, bad. <laughs> but good, 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 but bad, bad, but good. Yeah, well, it just makes me think about like when we're eating, you know, like fruits and vegetables and stuff. And, you know, if you're not like washing them or even if you are washing them, because I do wash the fruit before I put it in the, in the jars, I'm like, what is on these things? Like what is going into our bodies when we're eating these things? Just uh, my musings. But that's actually a great thing to bring up because there's all these different ways to clean a fruit or clean a vegetable. So what is your technique to clean something, not, not the house, but I mean like a fruit or vegetable before you put it in to make a kombucha? So I use um, like water and vinegar and I, I use that and I just kind of like wipe, if I can wipe it down um, as much as, as possible. I don't use like any soap or anything like that. Um, I grew up, my mother was very antimicrobial. I walked into the kitchen once and she was putting a cap full of bleach into the sink and then putting all the apples into it. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> the smell of bleach reminds me of my childhood. Um, she has since changed her ways. Yeah. I, I don't go that, I don't go that intense. Um, water and vinegar, um, it, life hack if you wash your berries with water vinegar like strawberries or like raspberries and then dry them and put them in the fridge they also won't grow mold as quickly really okay. so i do i do think that there is like um there is a benefit to using the vinegar as opposed to just like water mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's just from my observations in the microbiology kitchen luckily that's how i clean my fruits and vegetables as well all you need in your house is vinegar and some baking soda, and then you're good to go to clean pretty much everything in your house, including your teeth. Uh, Not with the vinegar, but the baking <laughs> soda. <laughs> Unless that's your thing. I, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> but uh, a re really weird segue to a story talking about pressure and explosions. My dad shared a story with me when he was in college, or sorry, university. He was part of a fraternity, and one day he came home to the fraternity home, and he saw these guys cutting out slits out of cardboard boxes, just enough for the eyes to look through. My dad's like, what are you doing? They're like, a science experiment. The science experiment was they had a can of beans, and they put it on the stove, un like closed, and just turned on the stove, and then everybody hid behind the little cardboard slits with this giant can of bean on the stove, and you can guess what happened. And it just went everywhere. And apparently, instead of cleaning it up, they just let it go dry and they just put paint over it. So they did the landlord like renovation, basically just adding a coat of paint and calling it a day. My jaw is on the floor <laughs> right now. This, that's like the most, I, I feel like, stereotypical thing. Like, if you told me that story, I would be like, was that at a frat house? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's for, for science. That's, that's your keyword, for science. For science. <laughs> Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, we didn't clean it up because we wanted to see if something would grow uh, yeah. <laughs> for science. Beans on the ceiling. Yeah. Oh. You, know, you know those popcorn ceilings? Yeah, these are bean ceilings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new trend. All the kids are doing it. That's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, back to kombucha itself. What would you say are some misconception about people who brew kombucha? Probably that we're all crunchy hippies. I kind of am. But you don't need to be like I see sometimes I'll see memes and, you know, there will be these like really hippie people. and They're like, oh, yeah, this person brews kombucha. Um, they probably are an anti-vaxxer or something like that. Uh, but if, I mean, anybody can 
brew kombucha. I think it's kind of like homesteady, uh, where it kind of gives that um, sort of impression that like, you know, you're also somebody who has like chickens in the backyard and like makes your own sourdough bread, uh, which is both things that I want to do, but I don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think also people have the misconception that because it's like aesthetic, that it's going to really mess with your gut. And um, sometimes it can give you acid reflux, but the best part about fermented food, and this is kind of true of like all fermented food or foods that are highly fermentable, like beans, you know, people will say <laughs> that like, oh, like I eat beans and, you know, they're gassy, um, the magical fruit. Uh, but the thing is, is that the more you consume it, your gut will adjust to it. And that's when you really start to see the health benefits. But you can drink kombucha just because you like the taste. Yeah, yeah, no one's stopping you. Alan's mm-hmm. not stopping you. You're not. You're not stopping them, are you? Definitely not the kombucha place. <laughs> awesome. And uh, was it okay? This this is going to put you in a mindset of hmm. Yeah, that's the best way I can, I can explain it. What would you say is something that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started your hobby? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I think I put a lot more pressure on myself. Like I said, I went into a blind and I was doing the pH drips and I was documenting everything that I did. Um, and always being like really, um, you know, super cleaning everything. And now I'm just so much more relaxed about it. And I feel like that's just like the best way to be with your hobbies because your hobbies should help you de-stress and not make you more stressed. I am not stressed doing this podcast. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about being one with yourself, being one with life, being one with the kombucha. What would you say kombucha brewing taught you in life? Hmm. Oh, I'd another say, <laughs> Yeah. Well, because I, I feel like I've kind of, kind of said it. I guess it keeps, it's one of those things that reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing, both in the hobby sense, but also in my career sense. Um, Sometimes, you know, it'll get really stressful. And then I remember that I'm doing this because I love it. And um, it's stuff that I want to share with other people. I, I want to continue being an educator because. I see how it works. I have a bunch of success stories using microbial therapies and and stuff like that. So yeah, it's also, I I don't feel like I had a lot of hobbies before I started brewing kombucha. Um, Like I was, you know, like kind of active and like out in nature, but I didn't really have anything that I felt like was mine and something that I could like go in really deep. And so when I started brewing, seven years ago, um, it really kind of like gave me something to be like, yeah, like I'm a fermenter. And then it gave me something to like go into deeper that was related to my research, but also not. It gave you enough space to like, I can connect it to my research at the same time. I can make it its own thing and I can still enjoy just as much. Yeah, exactly. It was like this integrative thing, but also this completely other thing. (laughs) 
Well, I'm, I'm really glad you like it. And it's, of course, teaching it to people and it's healthy for you. Probably a really good thing, right? There's a lot more health benefits to drinking kombucha. And uh, I know I know. there's a question you're going to ask me. I already know for some reason the question you're going to ask me, but I'll save that for the end. And I, you might be disappointed in my answer, but I'm sorry. I know I'm very confusing right now, but <laughs> let's jump to the very next question. Which is, yeah, exactly. Uh, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby, whether it's places to find resources? I don't know, maybe some person named Anna might have some tools that might help them out. Yeah, I'd say if you're interested in it, jump in. If it's not for you, it's always something you can back out. There isn't a huge financial investment. You kind of need a funnel and a glass jar. Um, it's easy and forgiving. And I do give so many, like a really, really detailed protocol and a lot of tips and troubleshooting. Um, so definitely go check out um, my Twitter, which is ADS underscore bunny. Um, and then I'm always open if anybody wants to shoot me a DM, happy to answer questions. And like I said, Reddit also is is a great, great place to start. But um, fermenting is, is generally uh, pretty go with the flow. I don't think Reddit is the best place to start. I think starting with you is the best place to start. We're promoting you today. That's that's what we got to do. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, now for the last question. Or actually, no, there's another question. You, we <laughs> talked about the sites that, for people to learn, but what about your own sites as well or any projects? Or, and it could be related to your hobby or related to your research as well or anything at all. Yeah. So on my Instagram, plugging myself a lot here, at Love of Anna, um, I do have a link to an article that I wrote about probiotics and COVID. So if you're interested in that, you can go and click there. Uh, I also wrote, co-wrote a chapter in a book that's called a Handbook for Nutritional Neuroscience. And it's available on Amazon. Or if you send me uh, a message, I can send you the PDF for free because I get no money <laughs> from the Amazon sales. Uh, so it's, it's a handbook for nutritional uh, neuroscience. And I we wrote the chapter on anxiety and it's about nutrition through the lifespan. So like specifically as you age, but there's also other chapters on like depression, Parkinson's, like in cardiovascular disease, a lot of other things. Um, I'm hoping to have my website up and running this summer, but that will also be linked on my Instagram and then I'll be able to publish or yeah, you'll be able to find some of my other writings. <clears throat> I have a, a series of blog posts that I'm, I'm just sitting on to publish. So lots more interesting stuff there. Well, luckily, there is no limit on how many words I can put in my show notes. So I would love to have all those links, your PDF link, your Amazon link, everything. I'm going to awesome. promote the hell out of you. So awesome. you can't do anything about it except send me the links. That's what you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's perfect. I'll put that down below. So it'll be very, very easy to, for people to find and show you some love. And now here's the last question that was very poorly worded before. Do you have any questions for me about brewing kombucha? Yes. Alex, why <laughs> aren't you brewing yet? <laughs> can I can I be honest with you? Yeah. I've never tried kombucha. And it's not it's not because I'm against it. I just never 
never thought of it. I, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink tea. I'm just like a water kind of guy, but I'm down to try different things. I just, coffee for me, it tastes like what cardboard. I'm sorry for people who love coffee. It's just my (laughs) taste buds are broken. Uh, but kombucha, if it's, if Anna says it's good, I trust Anna. She was a, she was a guest on my show. Lovely, lovely person. Um, yeah. So I guess if I do try it, I might try it this week, but you said it's like $6. (laughs) It can be be really expensive. I can hook you up, but also if you don't like it, it's, it's a personal taste. I once gave, um, some kombucha to my supervisor who is in his seventies and was very not down to try it. And then he tried it and he was like, this tastes like cat pee and (laughs) nobody else has everyone who tries my kombucha. They're like, this is so good. I mean, I'm, I'm just Mm -hmm. like gassing myself up at this point, Mm -hmm. but um, it's, you know, it's also a personal taste. It is like sour. So there there is a sour taste to it. um, Kind of like lemonade and it's not quite as sweet. Well, you can make it sweet, but I don't want to like hype it up and be like, do it. Don't hype it up. Hype it it up. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you're going to love it. Everyone will love it. It's universally loved. Um, It's, I think it's kind of like, you know, like beer in that way or wine where some people are just like, they love it. And then other people are like, I do not want to come anywhere near it. I'm always down to try something new. Absolutely. And if it's healthy for me, yeah, I'll definitely do it. And it leads me to wonder, like, I'm sure this is something that crossed your mind as well. Speaking about your, that individual who said it tasted like cat pee, I'm sure it's crossed your mind that what do other people's taste buds, like how does that work throughout their brain? And when it comes to kombucha, you try to make the connections and trying to figure out, uh, once again, that's a wild question, but has that ever crossed your mind? All the time. (laughs) No, you don't. I actually wrote about this in one of my blog posts because a lot of our taste buds are actually regulated by our gut microbes. Mm, Really? They can actually change our taste receptors. So I am like that. I love veggies. I'm always telling people to eat their veggies. And when people are like, I don't like vegetables, like it makes me almost angry. I, I <laughs> get like fight offended. <laughs> I'm like, you're just not trying hard enough <laughs> because taste, you know, for a lot of, um, parts of it is, is genetic. You know, some people have different taste bud receptors and, you know, I love cilantro, but for some people it tastes like soap. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm always so interested to know like why people have the sort of taste aversions that they do. Um, and then also what I think what bothers me because my dad is a picky eater is I'm like, you know, if you tried hard enough, <laughs> I get pretty preachy about it. Like if you tried hard enough, you could eat those mushrooms and you could like them. But um, I actually have gotten him to eat more mushrooms. Um, not the ones in your living room, right? No, not yet. Actually, those ones, those ones are edibles. The ones that sometimes show up in my plants. I don't think those ones are edibles. And then I'm like, Ooh, I'm definitely overwatering this plant. See, now you got me curious about this as well. And something I learned, I know I'm, I'm 30 years old and I just learned this. I'm like, how, how did I just learn this? Apparently mankind, humans invented broccoli from cabbage. Yes. And I'm like, what? Yes. 
it's amazing what we've been able to do at bananas to corn, like corn used to look like it was like the length of your pinky. It maybe had like six or seven kernels on it. And then we like grew them into these like amazing things. I actually grow this type of Asian broccoli that was like the original broccoli, like before we had broccoli and you can like see, yeah, you can like see where the, the big head broccoli that we know and love came from, but on these like broccoli, I almost said ancient broccolis, but like the OG (laughs) broccolis, it's just like, there's just a couple of flowers at the top and it's like, wow, you know, science is, it really does blur the line between science fiction and reality sometimes. To broccoli. Now I'm wondering, was cauliflower cauliflower invented as well? Or is that something that comes from Mother Nature? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I feel like most of the vegetables that we have have been not so much genetically altered as they do like breeding practices where they, they breed all these different you know, vegetables so that they can make it like bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the uh, the OG cauliflower would have looked like. Probably pretty small. Watch us, you and I, right after this podcast. Just go online. OG potato, OG celery, OG <laughs> tomato. <laughs> 70,000 tabs open of just different fruits and vegetables and their origins. <laughs> I need to know. I need to know where blueberries come from. yeah (laughs) oh well so there you have it another body with a hobby thank you anna for coming on and sharing your passion for kombucha and science and i was gonna say taste buds but you know what maybe yeah taste buds as well (laughs) (laughs) how the human body reacts to everything uh if you guys would like to learn more about anna i'll put all the links down below so be very easy to find and absolutely go show her some love and if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all you could send me an email at timesyourhobby at gmail.com and of course if you like the podcast you can leave a review good or bad i'll take it uh i also have a patreon that's optional you don't need to do it i'm also working on a board game and uh you can come write a review on my window. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what you do need to do is go show Anna some love. So Anna, once again, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Alex, and all the laughs. This was great. <laughs> I had a wonderful time. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>